0: Hello everybody and welcome to the April 12th, 2021 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I'm your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Jocene. And ladies and gentlemen, I am currently in the process of rearranging my room, uh, (laughs) which is also, if you don't know, where I record this podcast. So if things are going to be a little bit weird audio-wise, that's because I'm still trying to get used to this, I'm still trying to get everything set up, but don't you worry, don't you worry. In a couple of days, and of course in my case, days means weeks, so in a couple of weeks, and of course in my case, weeks means months, so in a couple of months, eventually, everything will be set up where it's supposed to be. Anyway, on Friday, 2024 Republican frontrunner Tucker Carlson, host of Tucker Carlson Tonight, hosted by Tucker Carlson, uh, got in trouble because he went on Fox News primetime, on Fox News, specifically to talk about the issue of replacement. I'm, I'm not making this up. Here's the clip of him on
1: Friday. I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement. If you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's, that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it. That's mm. true. If, if Look, if this was happening in your house, if you were in sixth grade, for example, and without telling you, your, kid, your parents adopted a bunch of new siblings and gave them brand new bikes and let them stay mm. up later and helped them with their homework and gave them twice the allowance that they gave you, you would say to your siblings, you know, I think we're being replaced by, by kids that our parents love more. And it would be kind of hard to argue against you because look at the evidence. So this matters on a bunch of different levels, but on the most basic level, it's a voting rights question. In a democracy, one person equals one vote. If you change the population, you dilute the political power of the people who live there. So every time they import a new voter, I become disenfranchised as a Mm. current voter. So I don't understand why we don't understand this. I mean, everyone wants to make a racial issue out of it. Ooh, the, you know, white replacement theory. No, no, no. This is a voting rights question. I have less political power because they're importing a brand new electorate. Why should I sit back and take that? The power that I have as an American guaranteed at birth is one man, one vote, and they're diluting it. No, they're not allowed to do that. Why are we putting up with this?
0: Those were quickly compared to the Great Replacement Theory, the theory that powerful groups, which usually means Jews, are attempting to replace white people. That is promoted almost exclusively by white nationalists and white supremacists. And, I guess maybe one brand or bland critic of multiculturalism and maybe that's what tucker carlson is now the statement was immediately condemned by people like media matters and the anti-defamation league however it was praised by such very fine people as the columbine bugle scott greer and liberty hangout so hey you know some people agree some people don't however 2024 republican frontrunner nick fuentes Uh, had a little bit of a different take. He actually thought Tucker was too nice to the immigrants. Writing on Twitter, he said, Of course, replacement migration is obviously racial. He had to say both of course and obviously. That's how obvious, of course, obvious it is. And Tucker probably understands that, but is unwilling to say it. Maybe because he would get fired if he did, I just wonder how effective it is to go halfway in and not just stop there, but then explicitly dispute the rest. So, what you're saying, Nick, is you can cuck the tuck. Now, with all this talk about asking Tucker Carlson to be banned from Fox News, I have to sit here and wonder, did it really take you guys this long to figure it out? Because this is who Tucker Carlson has been really since his show started in 2017. And this is something that even the groups currently fighting against him will admit. It was only a matter of time thing. On March 16th, 2019, Current Affairs tweeted out some sections of his book and his TV show and asked readers to compare and contrast them with the manifesto for the New Zealand mosque shooter. Seriously. Seriously. His show had not even been on for a third of a year before Vox actively compiled the fact that various white nationalists were active fans of him. People like Richard Spencer and David Duke. Just last month, John Oliver expanded upon it, pointing out not just that those are fans of him, but also that the ironically named Black Family, one of which, Don Black, is the founder of Stormfront, actually watches his show twice because they feel, according to ex-white nationalist and son of Don Black, Derek Black, that he makes white supremacist talking points better than they do. James Alsup, who was at Unite the Right and used to hold a podcast with Nicholas Fuentes until they both realized they hated each other, uh, (laughs) completely loves Tucker Carlson so much. I can go on and on and on and mind you I should note, him having white supremacists in his fan base does not make him racist by default, no one is claiming that, but then the question becomes, why do so many white supremacists like him, is it only because of his dislike of illegal immigration and multiculturalism, or is it because he said immigrants are making the country dirtier? This is a man who in July 2020 said we have to fight to preserve our nation and heritage which was compared to the neo-nazi slogan the 14 words which reads we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. It should also be noted that around this same time Tucker Carlson was head writer. ...was found to have made various racist comments on image boards. But I'm sure all of that is just a coincidence. This is the same man who at the tail end of last month had Jesse Kelly on... ...to say that the right will have to accept a fascist moving forward. I don't like that fact. Wink. However, it looks like we're going to have to. This is not even the first time he's done the replacement narrative. In October 2018, Tucker Carlson went on PragerU for a video called Illegal Immigrants, It's About Power, in which he says, the payoff of illegal immigration for Democrats, permanent electoral majority for the foreseeable future. In a word, power. That's the point. No matter what they tell you, American workers be damned. And how does Tucker Carlson... I suggest we deal with illegal immigrants. Well, you see, he actually proposes we do what Cesar Chavez did in 1979, praising his tactics. Here are those tactics, by the way, uh, described by Carlson. In 1979 Chavez dispatched armed union members to the desert to assault Mexican nationals who were trying to sneak across the border. Chavez's men beat immigrants with chains and whips made of barbed wire. Illegal aliens who dared to work as scabs had their houses firebombed and their cars burned. Chavez wasn't embarrassed about any of this. He bragged about it. It should also be noted that Carlson betrays this as how labor union representatives and populists and Democrats used to think about immigration when, truth be told, even the person who Chavez pointed appointed the head of the illegal campaign Carlson is talking about there thought that Chavez had crossed the line regarding his statements on illegal immigration. Uh, And that, by the way, includes his bizarre theory that these illegal immigrants were being imported by the CIA specifically to stop his strikes from working. Cesar Chavez, no matter what you think of his labor union power, no matter what you think of his ability and his striking and all that, was a nut job! (laughs) But my point is this, this is not some new big thing Tucker Carlson just came out believing. He's believed this at the very least since Trump became president, probably for much, much longer. And Anybody pretending otherwise, pretending this is out of nowhere, it's a complete 180 of what Carlson normally says, instead of the logical conclusion of what Fox News has been allowing him to preach for years now, anyone telling you that is inherently being dishonest to you. Tucker Carlson, at the end of the day, is Tucker Carlson. What we saw on Friday was him being Tucker Carlson. He is Tucker Carlson, always has been Tucker Carlson, and always will be Tucker Carlson. And this does not mean that we cannot uh, go against him, we cannot criticize his statements, but it should be understood through the lens of, this is who Tucker Carlson is. That's it. I, I also had to show you guys this. This is from Politico, specifically an article published. On what day was it published? The 12th. This was today, with the headline, Holly Holzen in three million after attempt to block election results. This was, of course, about Josh Holly raising objections during the certification of the electoral votes on January six, two 2021. However, I want to talk about one specific part of this article, which reads the following. The freshman senator drew widespread attention for leading the January 6th effort to block acceptance of electoral college results. A controversial stand, well, I I guess that's correct, that liberals and some Republicans claim undermined faith in the political system. Yeah, th- that's just something that's been claimed. That's not something we can have any proof of, of course. You know, if you ignore the fact that Holly said that he was raising the objection because he felt the system was illegitimate in a Missouri, um, it was a op-ed to some Missouri newspaper. I forget exactly what it was called. Or if you forget the fact that just before that happened, Ted Cruz called for a full investigation into the 2020 presidential election. Uh, Therefore, essentially saying the process was illegitimate because we needed to investigate it. Or if you ignore the fact that the president spent months beforehand and afterhand saying the election was rigged. If you ignore all of that, then yeah, I guess it really is just a claim. Anyway, uh, here's another one for you tonight. On Friday, the New York Times ran an article. This was uh, reported on by Crooks and Liars, and I just have to show you guys this. This, in my opinion, should have been just as condemned, if not more so than what Tucker Carlson said, not because it's nearly as bad as great replacement white supremacist conspiracy theories, but because it might actually be more stupid. Republican lawmakers are passing voting restrictions to pacify right wing activists still gripped by former President Donald J. Trump's lie that a largely favorable election was rigged against them. Go- oh, by the way, congratulations to the New York Times for admitting it's what they're doing, unlike Politico, which is calling it a controversial stance. GOP leaders are lashing out in a Trumpian fashion at business baseball and the news media to appeal to many of the same conservatives and voters and debates over the size and scope of government have been overshadowed by the sort of culture war clashes that the tabloid kings relished trump's preference for engaging in red meat political fights rather than governmenting or policy making have left party leaders in a state of confusion over where to stand Having quite literally abandoned their traditional party platform last year to accommodate Mr. Trump, Republicans have organized themselves around opposition to perceived accession of the left and borrowed his scorched earth tactics as they do as they do battle. Um, and let me just say, the this person, Steve M. of Crooks and Liars, put it perfectly. Right, the GOP that fixated on culture war talk today is totally different from the GOP that attacked John Kerry for speaking French at a time when right-wingers loathed the Iraq War-skeptical French government and cheered rebranding French fries in Congress dining halls as Freedom Fries. It's totally different from the GOP that was obsessed with Barack Obama's birth certificate or Bill Clinton's sex life or Hillary Clinton's health. Here's another great quote from that article. It's a strikingly different approach from the last time Democrats had full control of government. In 2009 and 2010, when conservatives harnessed the Great Recession to stoke anger about President Barack Obama and federal spending on their way to sweeping midterm games. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was totally fiscal. It was totally fiscal. If you look at the Tea Party leaders at the time, you'll find that. Uh, For instance, their big dogs were Glenn Beck, who said that Obama was racist against white people, despite the fact he also said Obama acted like a white person. And for that matter, that he actually was doing everything specifically with the goal of reparations for slavery. Or Rush Limbaugh, who said that Obama caused the Great Recession that started, by the way, a few months before he was even elected. Specifically to get revenge for slavery. Or Bill O'Reilly, who was very surprised that a New York City restaurant was that was owned by black people was just as clean as any white restaurant. And that nobody was screaming his words, get me some more iced tea, motherfucker. I'm not joking. Anyway, that's all for tonight. I am Ephraim, and good night.